With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Um, we've got Matty Lepard on the line. Matthew, how are you, my friend? I'm good, thanks, Jace. How dare you interrupt me while I'm trying to work out my trades for the week for the Harness Race in New South Wales fantasy competition. Oh, my Lord. How, do, how, have, you, how have you started? Yeah, okay. We're, we're two weeks in, so it's 25 weeks long, so it's a, it's a long season. But we're two weeks in, and I'm coming tenths out of about 1,600, and we're playing Ooh. for a car. The winner gets a car. Really? Yeah. Well, maybe... Yeah, that, could be, that could be your other car, and then you could then you could teach me how to drive. It'd be a wonderful experience for us both. I think um, that's uh, that that's exciting. Yeah, you know, a couple of times I've been in these positions with um, tipping competitions, but it's a it's actually hope is a dangerous thing, as they said in Shawshank Redemption, isn't it? You, you you're close, and that's dangerous because now you know you're probably thinking to yourself, this is going to be a fun little thing that I do on the side. And then all of a sudden, you're dedicating, you're missing races that you're supposed to be punting on because you're trying to work out. Changing your decisions, you actually want one horse to win. You're thinking to yourself, "Yeah, but I need, actually need Cam Hart to win this one. Uh, I haven't tipped him, but uh, I, need, I need him to win this one. It's, it's a dangerous game." Yeah, that's the thing. I'm just, I'm making sure that it, it's not affecting my punting. Um, I'm totally doing form separately, and then um, if it gets to a stage where in the run the horse I've backed is not going to win, then I might look at and see if up near the front there's any drivers that I've got in my team and things like that. But it's certainly not my priority. Punting is obviously my priority, but uh, certainly a lot of fun. And it, it, I, originally I wasn't even going to have a go at it, but then some mates got me to do a team and then it sort of becomes a little bit addictive, sort of looking at which drivers have what drives for the week and um, and cheering them home. So, um, yeah, there's a few other good prizes there other than car. There's a few um, like holiday weekends away to the Eureka in September and some... Mm. Um, some big Harvey Norman vouchers worth 5000 and 3000 and things like that. So I think the prizes are down to top 10. So um, I've started okay, but as I said, it's a long season, so it can all fall apart pretty quick if you uh, if you sort of don't stay on top of it. Is it all secret squirrels, or could you announce what you, the te- your team is right now? Um, secret squirrels? No, I'd rather not. But yeah, okay. one thing I will yeah. say, I know, that, I know that up in the Riverina, Blake Jones and Jack Painting, they're avid listeners of this show, or yeah. they were a while back. And... Um, in case Jack's listening, sorry, mate, I've had to trade you out this week, um, but I've left your mate Blake Jones in. So um, if you if you if you have a good week this week, I might get you back in next week. But just for this week, I've had to trade you out. So sorry about that. I made Blake my. Uh, you know, you got you got you to have your favourite driver when you when you first sign up. They ask you for a, a favourite driver. Did you, did you go through this process? Um. I don't think so. You wrote, you wrote, you wrote, you wrote down, my name's Matt Lepard, and this is my email address, and this is my phone number, and this is, uh, and then they they make you pick a favourite driver. But you, oh, did we? Okay, Blakey was uh, mine. So hopefully you are listening, Blakey. So it's a bit of good news, a bit of bad news there for you, mate. You're out of the team, but you got you got my uh, you got my not as a favourite driver. Now, um, tell me a little bit of something about this. So for uh, for a long period of time, while we had the uh, the cattle available to us. We had a wonderful time here on SEN Track with the Tuesday tutorial and uh, teaching people about what it's like to be a pro punter. But as uh, I was just opining uh, uh, 
about as part of my breeze. So there, there were a couple of things that I was attempting to do with the tutorial. One was educate punters about um, all the different techniques that people, and there's more than one way to skin a cat, particularly these days. There wasn't once upon a time. There is now. There's a lot of different ways you can win. Um, punting personality, trying to trying to guide people so they they went, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit more uh, big cat than than move side bottom or I'm a little bit more Darren Carroll than Tara Tom uh, and try and work, sort of mix and match and work out what works for you. But another big thing that I was attempting to do in a weird way was to um, educate people about the fact that unless you're absolutely dedicated to the task, A, you've got to be very, very good to start with and B, unless you're absolutely dedicated to the lifestyle, this, um, this glamorous idea of the professional punting life is a bit of a myth. Now, I know you love being a pro punter, right? So it, it's not a myth if you if you absolutely love it, but it, the the concept that it's some sort of easy game where you never back losers and, and millions of dollars roll in is, um, I think, a dangerous thing to portray, isn't it? Because like everything else in racing, the, the level of work ethic, dedication and time it takes and um, psychological fortitude is, I think, a lot more than probably people on the periphery often understand. Yeah, as you said, it's certainly not the glitz and glam that people might think it is. They're, most pro punters are working from home, um, which means they're sitting in an office on their own all day. And, um, well, sure, their, their wife or family might be around the house, but in general, it's a, it's a lonely existence. And, and therefore, when things are going bad, then it can be a very difficult situation mentally to put lonely. yourself in. And so, for, for example, the last four days I've done... Um, I'm 27,000 down across the last four days. So that gives you a gauge of, like, sure, I really want to bounce back today, but if I have another losing day, then there's five, um, four out of the five last losing days, and I might be 30 grand down across that five-day period. So when you're sitting at home on your own in the office, it can be a very, very tough situation to be in when things aren't going to plan. Sure, when things are going great, they're great, but it's not... Uh, as as rosy of lifestyle as what people might think. But at the same time, I, I worked for ANZ for nine years in finance after university before I went full-time with the trots. And I can't ever imagine myself going back and working uh, an office job like that. So I, I do consider myself very lucky to have found something that doesn't feel like a job, that I can still make good money off and, and essentially enjoy the lifestyle. But as you said earlier, it's the sort of thing where the more – you've got to dedicate yourself to it. And the more you put into it, the more you're going to get out of it. But that's the same thing in most things in life. But if you look at any uh, self-employed person or a sole trader, um, even if someone's uh, running their own business and they're a, they're a plumber or an electrician or something, the more hours that they're putting into it and the harder they work, the the luckier they're going to get and the more money they're going to make. And and essentially that's that's my motto as, as a pro punter. The more you put into it, the more you're going to get out of it. But the, the, the tricky balance is now with... A family life with wife and two kids, you've obviously got to find that happy balance and make sure you do um, things as a family and not do harness racing 24-7, and that's the key. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of points there, but um, yes, I think that uh, that isolation is a massive thing, the ability to be able to work yourself through it psychologically when things aren't going well. And I think even conversely, probably not being able to celebrate with anybody else when things are going well. So things are going terrific. And who do you generally turn to, what do you slap the desk and, and move on to the next race? Uh, and very much like every other job in racing. So drivers 
harness racing drivers really quite often can only connect really, really strongly with other drivers because they know the lifestyle they're leading. Trainers can connect with trainers. And I think you'd agree, and this is why, you know, the functions put on by various wagering service providers and when you get a big night out and you can get to the trots and be around like-minded souls, it's a special experience because only other pro punters really or people heavily involved in doing form for the game, you can probably um, uh, feel 100% comfortable around sometimes, I would imagine. Yeah, and that's why it's important to, to have your sort of your network of, of like-minded people. Sure, you're not sitting in the office with them all day, but um, there's endless messaging going on back and forth throughout yeah. the day discussing racing or discussing, you know, what you like for the day and things like that. And essentially, that's your support network, Um which is no different to all the other drivers who see each other at the races every day, and they, they're all mates as well. It's essentially, um, you, your mates within the harness racing game are generally going to be other pro punters that you that are like-minded people that you, you're messaging throughout the day, bouncing ideas off, um, and, and more or less using them as a sounding board when things aren't going well or... Or if you, you get pissed off by a, a bad drive and, you know, you, rather than vent on Twitter, it's easier just now to vent to, to your mates and, 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 and relieve the, the steam that way. I just think it's very interesting. We'll get to the tips in a moment. I just think it's very interesting because most people are so disconnected to racing. If I'm in the back of a cab, which I quite often am, and somebody says, uh, what do you do? And you say, well, I do form for racing. And they say, well, are you a punt? Are you a pro punter? And you're like, no. And you're like, you know all the winners. And you're like, that's not how it works, number one. Or the alternate is, oh, I do broadcasting for racing. Oh, you're the race caller. You call the races. So um, it's uh, it's it's not something that – the whole racing game is not something that unless you're involved in it, people uh, know a hell of a lot about. But why would they? Middle Jura, race four is the first, not a place that you probably venture to too often outside of the carnival. Big cat, but we've got three tips uh, up in the Sunraiser, and we start with the fourth event on the card. Who do you like there? Yeah, I've had three bets up there at Mildura, and they're all horses that I think will hopefully be leading their respective races. So Mildura, uh, I don't know if there's a track in Victoria with tighter bends, um, and therefore, like for a half-mile track, the straight's actually quite long. It's about 180 metres, but the bends are very, very tight, um, similar to what Harold Park used to be, and therefore... It's a very leader-dominated track, and it's hard to make ground on those tight bends unless they've overdone the lead time in the first quarter. So if the leaders can get away with a cheap first lap, then it becomes very, very hard to run them down. And that's why in race four, I've gone with number one, Doug's Chino, um, for Ryan Sanderson. Uh, this is a horse that she, she's not overly tough. She's a six-year-old mare, and she's not overly tough. But over the short trip, the 1790, Jaws Barrier 1. And the key here is drawing Barrier 1, it means that she doesn't have to burn to zip across them and get the lead like she did two starts back when she crossed from out wide and then handed up and got found out late. If she can, therefore, from barrier one, just punch through and get a very cheap uh, lead time in first quarter, then then at the bell, she might be looking very, very hard to beat. Um, the main danger is Martha and Lavinia drawn two. It might have to sit outside her in the breeze. And then a little bit of Henry T for Jack Laurie. It'll probably be seeing leaders back. So it's all going to come down on how easy Doug's Chino gets the first lap because she's not tough, but she does have a bit of speed. So if she gets away with a bit early, I think she might be able to get away with the race. So that's race four, number one, Doug's Chino. Race four, number one, Doug's Chino. We've got six more tips. Sexy's rolling in. Broadcast. Broadcast. Uh, what'll be Desi G? We'll find out what that is during the news. Uh, I might not be able to listen to the news. You, you might have to listen to the news for me and we'll get back in a moment. It's a big cat. He's got six more t- tips, a couple more at Mildura, and then we'll go around the grounds. But here's the news around the world right now.
That is a 100% accurate. It is Jason Bonington joined by Matty Lepard, and I'm wondering whether any second tip for the day in Mildura, we've gone Ryan Sanderson. The favourite he's been driven by Abby Sanderson. Is it a place better? Is he going with this dollar ninety favourite first up from a break? Let's find out. Tell us, Matty. Yeah, I'm siding with Modern Ginger here. This is a horse that uh, it's only had three, used to be trained down towards Melbourne, but it's had three runs up in the Sun Razor for Naomi Kerr, and won all of them, and won all of them very, very easily. Um, it's it's a really, really nice horse. So as long as it's come back from a break, it's it's three months between runs, but as long as it's come back from a break in the form that it that it left in, then. I think it might be too good for them here. Um, comes out of gate two. So in gate one, Alistair Lavros for Rita Burnett. Um, it's a handy horse. Probably runs its best races when driven with a sit, though, as we saw two starts back at Maryborough where it came from four pegs and, and got up on the line at, at a huge price. So hopefully common sense prevails here and Rita's happy to take the sit on the hot pot. Uh, Abby Sanderson, uh, she goes good in front. Horses run for her when she's in front rolling along. So... I'm sure Modern Ginger will kick away and Alistair Lavros will get its chance from leaders back. But I think Modern Ginger, as I said, if it returns in the form that it was in before a spell, um, it could even be a future metropolitan horse based on what we've seen in three runs with Naomi Kerr. So that's race five, number two, Modern Ginger. Race five, number two, Modern Ginger. So we've gone Ryan Sanderson into Abby Sanderson. And I strongly suspect we're going back to Ryan Sanderson for race 10. Am I right or am I wrong, Big Cat? You are correct, Jase. So race 10, we're with number five, Cool Sita. Um, this is another one, a little bit like the one earlier on, where uh, it's got speed, but it's not overly tough. But over the 1790 today, I think Cool Sita probably has the speed to zip across and lead from out wide here. And if it can get away with a bit in front, then once again, it might be just a bit too quick for them. So this is a, a seven-year-old mare who's only had three runs. Its first one was in April of 2019. Uh, that feels like a, more than a lifetime ago. That's pre-COVID. Yeah. Um, COVID didn't even exist back then. Uh, and then it had nearly four years off, and it's had two runs back in January of this year for two seconds, uh, where it's led both times. Oh, it, it led first up over this trip, and then second up it crossed and led, and then handed up because that was over the longer trip and still ran a good race. I think this is the sort of race where it can lead and hold. Um, the main danger is possibly number one, Cavalry who is yet to break through. Uh, it's had 10 starts. It's, it's a consistent enough horse, but not sure it has quite the ability to cool seater. And Evoca Blues, who's actually changed stables. Um, uh, I saw it was for sale uh, about a month ago, so it's possibly been sold and now finds itself in the stable of Scott Garraway. But it does have speed, but it's very, very weak and doesn't try overly hard. So given that I don't think it'll see the pegs tonight because Cool Seater probably leads, then Evoca Blues is probably not the sort of horse you want to be backing from from the breeze outside the leader. So happy to go with race 10, number five, Cool Seater, to round out a trio of tips at Mildura that hopefully will all be leading. And all for our team, well, a, a Sanderson family member. Um, you've got different types of Morrises to deal with in the uh, in the second race at Menangle. I've got a funny feeling. So BJ Lindenny's a former Kiwi who opened really short. They were frightened and they said, we're going to leave it very short. And now it's just started to move out and they've come from a couple of others, including a couple of races in Victoria, right moves and the best bourbon. Um, right moves for you or what is it? No, I've gone off on a tangent here and, and done something that I don't, generally do that often. I've backed three horses in a race, all at big odds. Okay. Um, now, the yeah. reason being, so I think the two favourites are too short. BJ Lindenny, number two, and number 10, right moves 
for Steph Morris. So last week over the long trip, right moves led and was very disappointing. Um, it got ran down and it was, it was a really a poor effort and, and ended up running fifth and beaten home by horses like Orlando Storm and the best Bourbon who were in this race again. Um, I don't know whether it finds the front today. I think BJ Lynn Denny, who is a first-up horse from New Zealand, for Robbie Morris and Kerry Ann Morris, I think it may want to hold the front and therefore post right moves in the breeze. And right moves is a sort of horse that le- uh, that likes to bowl along in its races. So there could be a bit of pressure between these two favourites up front. Um, BJ Lynn Denny, it has trialled for its Aussie debut here. Uh, it got beaten by Tough Monarch, who's obviously a former top-line trotter who's yeah. well past it now. But... BJ Lindenny's trial only went 158, and I thought I just thought its last hundred was a little bit ordinary in the trial. So if it cops a bit of pressure off right moves today, it might actually set it up for a swooper. So I've backed three horses here that are all swoopers: numbers six, seven, and eight. The best Bourbon for Grant Forrest, a fair de Cover for Jack Brown, and Orlando Storm for Hannah Rickson. So all of them were around the sort of fifteen, sixteen, seventeen dollar mark earlier. Um, so if one of them win, it'll be a, a very good result for me. So I'm just more or less potting the two favourites and happy to work around that with number six, seven, and eight, all at uh, big double-figure prices. Yeah, okay. Mate, look, most of our listeners will know there's a number of different ways you can uh, you can fashion that when you want to take on favourites. But uh, So tell me this. I think I'm the only human in the country that has, that has ever had a bundle bet. Uh, I think the bundle bet um, button is purely there for me. But bundle betting is just basically level staking and – and you might get a, a, a touch of interest on top. So are we have you level staked these three, or have you got one slightly above the others, or have you have you ordered them up where, um, for instance, you might have had um, 20 on one, 15 on one, and 10 on one? I know that the bets would be significantly larger than that, or have you just level staked the lot? No, I, when I do this type of thing, um, when like there might be t- times when I'll back two horses in a race, or, or very rarely three horses in a race, but I'm generally backing them to collect the same amount regardless of which horse wins, which yes. means I'm having slightly different amounts on each. Um, so I backed them at, at price. So the best bourbon uh, was about $16 when I backed it everywhere. Uh, a fair to convert was 17 Orlando Storm was about 15 So I've had very slightly differing, differing amounts on each such that I, I, I've got them all going for equal results. So it doesn't, it doesn't matter to me which one wins. It's the same outcome to me because I'll collect the same amount regardless. So it's easy to work out... Mm what amounts you put on, you just sort of do up a little spreadsheet and um, type in some formulas and calculate but how much you want to end up having on each based on what their current odds are. If you want to win um, 100, you want to win 1,000, you want to win 500, whatever it might be. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Um, I like that. Um, Menangle, I think Tara Tom's system was very uh, very much aligned with that from memory and maybe even, uh, maybe even Benny Craig. All right, race four at Menangle. What are we doing here? Um. Yeah, so race four. Um, this is a horse that I was never a huge fan of the horse. It, it, uh, Captain Dorian is the horse I'm talking about, number mm-hmm. five. It's a horse trained up uh, Maitland, up, which is up around the Newcastle area. However, Lily Hosking, the trainer, she's brought it down to Menangle um, twice so far this year, and that's the first time the horse has raced at Menangle. And it's absolutely grown a leg since it's had its couple of runs down here. It's ran second coming from back in the field to Classic Major in 153. Uh, and then a fortnight later, last week sat in the breeze in 150. The winner went 152.9 behind Have You Checked In? Uh, and Which means its own personal time. It's gone sort of mid-153s. And the last half was 55-2, home in 27-2. So that, that's the outstanding sort of performance for a race like this. And 
Robbie Morris takes the drive. Grace Pinnell is suspended, but um, certainly doesn't lose anything with Robbie going on. So I would have thought that if Robbie works forward at the start today, there's a fair chance it might find the front. And on what we've seen in its two runs at Menangle so far this year, um, if it does find the front, it's, it looks probably a good thing. Uh, if it finds the front, I can't see or anything beat it based on last week's performance. So uh, it, it can still win from the breeze based on last week's performance. But if we get the map right and it works at the front, then it could be race over. So um, for those fantasy teams that have Robbie Morris in your team, he could find a few winners today. He's got uh, quite a few favourites. So that's race four, number five, Captain Dorian. Wouldn't surprise me if you're one of those people. But we're not going to talk about it. We're not going to reveal the team. But uh, it wouldn't surprise me if you're one of those people. And you might be happy with... The next uh, event that we're tipping in here, because again, is Robbie Morris in the cart on the favourite. Wave the bill, Mr. Ibiza for Team McCarthy's been a bit of a drifter. So they started at 230 and 250, but the wound has opened. They're now a dollar eighty and two dollar seventy. And I wonder whether that dollar eighty hasn't come about. The two thirty into two into a dollar ninety into a dollar eighty for Wave the Bill isn't something to do with you, Matthew. Yeah, yeah, I was pretty keen on it. I thought the two thirty was Far too big. I think the fact that Wave the Bill, number three, has joined inside its main rival, Mr. Ibiza, number four. Um, is that how you pronounce it? Ibiza? Not yeah. Ibiza? No, no, yeah. it's Ibiza. Obviously, you've Ibiza. never partied on the Greek and Spanish islands. Yeah, but Ibiza, no, no, yeah. I've been, to, I've been to Spain, but I've never been out into the Mediterranean onto those party islands, unfortunately. And I'm no, probably you, a bit old to do that. These you've days. never had a glow stick in your hand out there. You know you've never been to Ibiza. So, no, it's Ibiza, no. yeah. Just... I've had a glow stick in my hand on Copenhagen at a full moon party in Thailand, though. <laughs> this is this could be another whole half an hour. Of, or, um, you are with Wave the Bill, I think. Wave the, wave the yeah. glow stick and wave the bill. <laughs> yeah, so it looks a race in two, and, and the barrier draws the key here. So Wave the Bill is a horse that it's a former Kiwi that started its career here in a blaze of glory, winning two races very, very impressively on a Tuesday as a free-legged pacer. And we don't see them very often, but um, they're the ones that don't wear the hobbles between their legs. So it then galloped and didn't score up twice in a row at very, very short odds of $1.18 and $1.40. So then the stable then put the put the gear back on the hopples and um, and it's now pacing again. So uh, since they've done that, it, it won a heat um, of the New Year gift at Menangle on a Saturday night, which was a metro race. And then in the final where they went 150.5, it led and only got beaten 10 metres by Tasty Delight, who is has come back really, really well from from injury. So watch for him maybe over the Miracle Mile Carnival. But if it can replicate what it's been doing and leading and going 151, uh, it really should be winning here uh, as long as it paces. So Mr. Abita was first up last week, for first up for three months, sat in the 1-1 and couldn't run down Arabella Star. They only went 152.4, home in 55.9. I don't think that performance was anywhere near good enough to beat Wave the Bill today. Um, if they both replicate their most recent performance based on the draws and the expected map of Wave the Bill leading, I would have thought $1.50 was the right price, Wave the Bill. Um, but in saying that, Mr. Abisa could improve uh, vastly second up from a spell, and I'd never doubt Team McCarthy, but it would need to improve probably 10 metres on last week's first up run to give it any possible chance of beating Wave the Bill if Wave the Bill was to lead. So very, very keen. Best of the day anywhere. Race seven, number three, Wave the Bill. And you're still getting a price. There's $1.30. You're still getting a price. So I'd, I'd, I'd bet now to avoid disappointment. I'm watching the TV. It says uh, Nikki Webster's youngest child has just started school. If that doesn't make you feel old, then oh, my dear Lord, above. One uh, tip at Albion Park as well, please, mate. What do you got for us there? Um, yeah, so Albion, let's go to race number, uh, it's race number five. Yep. Um, 
Now, this is a horse that they... I can't understand the opening price because it, even though it's drawn barrier seven, it had to open up clear, clear favour. It actually opened up $26. What? Um, so it's been 26 into 290 It's getting in towards the right price now. And it all comes down to what happens early. It's, it's drawn the outside gate, but as long as it paces, which is, it did break after this break at the start when it was first up from a spell, two runs back. But as long as it does everything right at the start, it has the gate speed to potentially whiz straight across them here. And if it does that in play, it'll be trading at around probably the dollar eighty mark. Uh, so I'm not sure why or how they opened up $26, but um, it, I, I, I don't know if it'll drift either. Like it, it looks the clear, it's only a three-year-old. It's a three-year-old filly. Um, for the Daryl Graham stable, Angus Garrard in the cart. So as a two-year-old, it was actually a pretty handy two-year-old. Showed very good gate speed on numerous occasions, led and, and showed that it can run around the 155, 156 sort of mark, which if it leads today against these older horses in only a rating 30 to 41 race, that uh, those sort of times will be good enough to lead and win here. So as long as it paces at the start, zips across them at the start and leads, then it could be a pretty sweet watch. So... I didn't get any of the $26. Uh, went off very, very quickly. Um, but uh, it's, it's getting in towards the right price now, but it may even start shorter. So that's race five, number seven, Jillaby Typhoon. And the opening price, uh, of, uh, the corpse, they, they just totally stuffed it. This is, that, that is a, like a, one of the bigger goes you'll see. $26 to two ninety, but it's not a go. It's a completely wrong price. It, it, that's that's not, it's not quite Maxi Man opening a dollar hundred and one and getting into a dollar eighty, but it's close. It's relatively close. Um, before we let you go, Big Cat, thank you very much for your time and for those tips. And we'll get back on a winning track today and and uh, win back that twenty seven large in the space of twenty four hours. Um, very quickly, what did you make um, of Saturday night's racing night? One of the SOG Summer of Glory at Ballarat. I felt like there was some very, very very heavy blows from the two big winners. Yeah, there was some interesting tactics on the night. So in the Trotters race, mm. uh, I can understand Sundon's courage initially wanting to hold Sleepy out, but then when Aldebaran Zeus went up and attacked, I found Ryan Duffy's tactics very, very weird. Um, Sundon's courage is in that grade of race, he needs to take a sit on the first good horse there, which would have been Aldebaran Zeus, but he wanted to kick up and try and hold. So that first lap was brutal. Um, and both Zeus and Sundon's Courage both battled on well to run second and fourth. So I didn't, I don't think we really learned anything from Just Believe because he wasn't part of that early burn in the first lap. And then when the pace slackened, he cruised up and, and got the front very cheaply off Sundon's Courage. So mm. all we can tell from that is that Just Believe's obviously come back from a short freshen up after the Inter-Dominion very well. Um, and I believe he's nominated for this week again. And then yep. obviously we'll go to the Great Southern Star next week. Um, uh, and, and I mean, like the first four home there were all very, very good. And they'll all go to the Great Southern Star, as will potentially Credit Master, Ooh. who he's come up from a break very quickly and he's going to trial tomorrow at Tarang. The plan was to go straight to Sydney, uh, which he, he still may go straight to Sydney, but depending on the trial, there is still some glimmer of hope he may go to the Great Southern Star. So potentially look out for him next week. Um, on to the pacing cup. And, and once again, surprising tactics by Cranbourne. Um, the Kiwis tell me that this horse is a a front runner who likes to lead and bowl along. As we And we saw him lead and go really well at Shepparton last week, yet there was a very cheap hand up there to, to copy that. 
in hindsight, Cranbourne, maybe it just wasn't good enough. Um, it, it had the perfect run leaders back, and, and when the run presented itself at the top of the straight, it couldn't go, and it got beaten 14 metres. But based on what we saw at Shepherd, and I certainly expected Cranbourne to lead, um, if we knew copy that was getting the front, then it certainly wouldn't have gone around at about the $4 mark, which it started. Uh, yeah. But it looked... If we knew that it was getting the front, it would have started probably around even money. I reckon, I reckon um, this is this is why I I think um, uh, you've got to watch Trot's vision because I know there, there was only uh, well they were going out on the track. You still had ten minutes, Nathan Jack. I mean, you know as well as I I do that you don't get. I will never ask a driver, "Are you leading or handing up?" And they'll go, well, "I'm handing up." But it is very very obvious from what they say. What uh, I'll, I'll give you the code. You, you'll know this easily. Began the code for I'm handing up is um, I'll just assess it, and if there's enough pressure, um, or if one of the good ones comes up, uh, maybe, maybe. That, so that's that's uh, that's code. And but it, maybe it just went through to the keeper there because I actually was with you. I thought Cranbourne would lead, but when Nathan said that, I, I I'm amazed it still paid four eighty. Copy that. Mm. Um, I think one of the runs of the race is definitely Honolulu Bay. So yeah. if we look at the sectionals, they went 156.2 mile rate. They sort of burnt up for the first quarter, 28.7, but then they got home uh, in 27.3 for the last quarter, and Honolulu Bay was near last at the 400, last and bailed up on the peg. So I don't know what he's run his last quarter in, but it must be somewhere around the 26 flat or even quicker, maybe a high 25s. Mm. So he's going good enough to win a Hunter Cup, but he's the sort of horse that to get the 2,700 next week in the Hunter Cup, he's going to need the right run. He can't lead or breeze or, or probably cop the pressure, but he's got more speed than probably any of them, and he's good enough to win it with the right run. Triple Eight, um, he bounced back. I, I, I just about wrote off this horse. I thought he was going quite ordinary through the Inter-Dominion, but uh, credit to Jess Tubbs and Greg Sugars. They've, they've got this horse back flying, and Shannon Nixon and the other owners must have got the thrill of a lifetime halfway up the straight when he... Loomed up and poked his head yeah. out, and I thought, "Gee whiz, here we go!" A pretty incredible. Uh, and there was some money. There was some money for the horse, so there was obviously some support indicating that the horse they think that they've got it right again, and he ran accordingly. So he'll he'll be a force in the in the Hunter Cup once again with the right run. He probably can't make his own luck, but with the right run in the Hunter Cup, he can be dangerous. And and a horse that made good ground late, Old Town Road, the other Kiwi. Yeah, I think uh, he, I think last quarter he he's obviously one to watch for the Hunter Cup as well. So I agree with that. Um, some of the Grimson horses are a little bit disappointing, so I'm sure they'll bounce back in the Hunter Cup. But it's a, it's going to be a very open Hunter Cup. But uh, I think Spirit of St Louis might be the only McCarthy horse coming down. But on what we saw, the ease of the wind from Copy that, and the fact that he can make his own luck, he's he's very very hard to beat next week, regardless of the draw. All right, good on you, big cat. With the-